the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. TBN Pinellas Park, W262CP Bayonet Point. Brought to you by Moss Nissan. Simply portions of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Odyssey. The following program was pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. What he's saying here is if there was a law that could have imparted spiritual life, then the law would have indeed been in conflict and opposed to grace as an alternative way of salvation. It'd be fighting each other, law, grace. But that's obviously not the case. There is no law in Scripture that can save anyone or or make us right with God because there's no biblical law that, that anyone can obey perfectly. And if there was a law we could obey perfectly, and it would give us eternal life, then why exactly did Jesus give his life to ransom us? Just so we'd have options? I don't think so. There's no option except faith in Jesus, is there? And the law God gave to Moses is what drives sinners to the cross. We'll learn more about how that happens today on Verse by Verse. It's good to have you here today as Pastor Steve Kreloff continues our series of lessons from Galatians chapter 3 about the purpose of the law. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Since the law drives us to the cross, that makes it a vital tool in witnessing to the unsaved. By and large, unsaved people think they're pretty good. I know I did. The law shows that we're not as good as we think we are. Let's listen as Pastor Steve expands on that thought. You see, the the gospel of Christ only makes sense when someone first sees his sin against the background of the law of Moses. But so often the law has not been used in connection with the gospel. This lack of preaching the law, which many, many pastors are engaged in, they don't don't want to preach the law. In fact, they don't even preach about sin. But this lack of preaching the law has had a terrible impact on, on the contemporary church. You see, because many pastors have failed to preach the law as the means to reveal sin, the result is that there are many people in our churches today, evangelical churches, who have never really been confronted with the true nature of their sin and their need to repent and turn to Christ for salvation. They think that they're saved because they have prayed a prayer to Jesus, inviting him into their hearts and their lives, and then they were baptized, and so they're banking on that to go to heaven when they really don't understand what it means to trust Christ for salvation. They've never been broken and crushed over their sin. They've never been told that they need to repent of their sin. Listen, unless you have an awareness of your need for repentance, you have not experienced the gospel. You have not experienced New Testament salvation. New Testament salvation involves a conviction of sin, being broken, crushed, mourning over your sin, 
as you understand that you're a transgressor of the law and you deserve hell, and that your only hope is in Christ. So this lack of preaching the law to reveal sin has resulted in many people who are lost, but they are evangelicals, thinking that they're saved. As one Bible teacher so aptly put it, you can't go to Jesus unless you first meet Moses. You got to meet Moses first. Listen to these important words by Bible teacher John Stott. He wrote these words, No man has ever appreciated the gospel until the law has first revealed him to himself. It's only against the inky blackness of the night sky that the stars begin to appear, and and it is only against the dark background of sin and judgment that the gospel shines forth. Not until the law has bruised and smitten us will we admit our need of the gospel to bind up our wounds. Not until the law has arrested and imprisoned us will we pine for Christ to set us free. Not until the law has condemned and killed us will we call upon Christ for justification and life. Not until the law has driven us to despair of ourselves will we ever believe in Jesus. Not until the law has humbled us even to hell will we turn to the gospel to raise us to heaven. Powerful words, but words I hope that each of us will take to to heart. How? How do you take these words to heart? Well, if you claim to know Jesus Christ as your Savior, then make sure, make sure that you have first met Moses in the law and that you've seen yourself for what God says you really are, a wicked transgressor of his holy will. Don't be deceived into thinking you're a Christian if you have never been convicted of your sin. That's how you take it to heart. Secondly, you make sure that you use the law in witnessing to others so that you don't soft-pedal sin by trying to soften the blows of conviction. Don't be afraid to make people feel bad about their sin. They ought to feel bad about their sin. I remember a time when I failed terribly in doing this, Michelle and I were invited to the home of a Christian couple in order for me to witness to a, a friend of theirs, a Jewish woman. Well, that night I tried so hard to be culturally sensitive to her. I tried to relate to her as a fellow Jew and, and tried for her to, to see things from my background and why it was so um, natural to believe in Jesus as Messiah. But listen, in doing so, I just flat out failed to tell her about her sin and ultimately about salvation because I failed to show her from the law of Moses that she was a sinner, someone who had violated the Ten Commandments and needed salvation. It was obvious to me that I had failed because by the end of the evening, she appeared to enjoy being with me. She, she appeared to, uh, to like me and no unsaved Jewish person should ever like me when I've shared the gospel properly. She wasn't upset with me. She should have been. She wasn't upset with me because I didn't say anything that would upset her about her sin, her need for Christ. So I share that with you to say don't make the same mistake. Use the law to show people their sin. So Paul's point in verse 19 is to say that the purpose of the law is to reveal that we are transgressors of God's holy will, pointing us to our need then for Jesus Christ. 
Now, I said, though, a few minutes ago, we're going to put something to the side and come back to it. In the midst of telling us all this, Paul mentions in verse 19, right in the middle of it, he said, speaking of the law, he said it was ordained through angels by the agency of a mediator. Now, what in the world does he mean by this? And why does he insert anything about angels and mediators here in the midst of arguing about the purpose of the law? Well, first of all, what Paul means by this is simply that God did not directly give his law to the Jewish people, but rather he gave it through two mediators, angels and Moses. Now, we know from the Old Testament that Moses was the one who gave God's law to the children of Israel. Remember uh, Exodus 19, God told him to come up to Mount Sinai. Then he came down from Mount Sinai. He gave the Jewish people the law. However, it would appear from this statement here in Galatians 3, and we'll see there are other statements in the Bible, that God did not directly give his law to Moses on Mount Sinai, but instead used angels as mediators who then gave the law to Moses, who then in turn gave the law to the children of Israel. Now, this information may be new to some of you because angels, as I said, they're not mentioned in Exodus 19. If Paul didn't mention it here in some other places in the Bible, we would never think that angels were involved, but they were. We know that from several places in Scripture. Shortly before Moses died, he mentioned that angels were present when the law was revealed to him. Let me show you this. Deuteronomy 33, verse 2, says this. These are the words of Moses. He said, the Lord came from Sinai, it's the giving of the law, and dawned on them from Seir. He shone forth from Mount Paran, and he came from the midst of, notice this, 10,000 holy ones at his right hand. At holy ones, those are his angels. There was flashing lightning for them. He's speaking of the time that the law was given. Flashing lightning, holy angels there. When God gave Moses his law, he's telling us countless angels were present. And in some way that has not been revealed to us in Scripture, these angels were involved in giving the law from God to Moses, who then, as I said, gave it to Israel. In the New Testament, Stephen, the first Christian martyr, confirms this very truth. As he was being murdered, he confirmed that angels were active in the giving of the law. He said in Acts 7.53, you who received the law as ordained by angels and yet did not keep it. You received the law, it was given by angels, but you didn't keep it. The writer to the Hebrews in Hebrews 2.2 also says that angels were involved in giving the Mosaic law. He speaks of the law as, and I quote, the word spoken through angels. So according to Paul, the law was not given directly to Moses or the children of Israel. But why does Paul bring that up here? And both angels and Moses acted as mediators in the giving of the law because it leads him to make an important point in the next verse about the nature of the law. Verse 20, now a mediator is not for one party only, whereas God is only one. I must tell you, this is not the easiest verse to understand in all of its details. In fact, I read that there are about 250 various interpretations of this. I'll spare you those 250 interpretations. In fact, I didn't even look at that. But it appears that the primary point, the gist 
What Paul is saying here, the point that he's making, is that the law is inferior to the Abrahamic covenant that promised salvation. And the reason the law is inferior can be seen by the fact that God used two mediators to communicate the law to man, whereas God was the only one, and that's what he means, whereas God is only one, God was the only one who communicated his promise of salvation to Abraham. In other words, what Paul is saying, and listen closely, is that the promise of salvation in Christ was so precious to the heart of God, more precious than even his law, that he chose to address it to Abraham personally and directly, whereas the law, though certainly holy and good, was of less importance to God. And that's why he communicated it by two mediators, angels and Moses. And we can certainly understand this concept because we understand there is nothing more precious to the heart of God than the sacrificial death of his own son and the salvation of his people that results in the death of his son. That seems to be the primary point that Paul is conveying here, that the message of salvation in Jesus Christ and all that that entailed in his son's sacrificial death on the cross is more highly valued to God than even the message of his law. And that's why he communicated it directly from his heart to Abraham. Whereas the law, he didn't directly communicate it. It came through angels and then through Moses. And it is this comparison between the promise of salvation and law, with the law being presented as inferior to the promise, that causes Paul to move on to address a second question the Galatians had about the law, with his answer to that question forming the third and the final key truth he wants them to know about the law. He's already told them what? He's told them that God never intended the law to replace the message of salvation. He's told them that God gave the law in order to show us that we are transgressors of his will. And now the third and the final key truth he gives about the law is this. God gave the law in order to drive us to faith in Christ. God gave the law in order to drive us to faith in Christ. Notice verse 21. Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? May it never be. For if a law had been given which was able to impart life, then righteousness would indeed have been based on law. Now, in light of the fact that Paul has just spoken about the law being inferior to the promise of salvation, he now raises a very reasonable question, which he knew the Galatians wanted an answer to. He asked that the law is contrary to the promises of God. That is to say, is the law opposed to the promise of salvation? Or another way of putting it, does the law work against the promise? Paul immediately answers, may it never be. It's not in conflict at all. Don't even think such a thought. It's unthinkable. Because both the law and the promise of salvation by grace come from God. He never has anything that conflicts with him. He never works against himself. Law and grace are not in conflict. They both come from him. And the reason that the law isn't opposed or in conflict with grace at all is because, note this, the law has a different purpose and function than grace. Its purpose isn't to save anyone by justification. That's what grace does. 
That's why Paul proceeds to state, for if a law had been given which was able to impart life, then righteousness would indeed have been based on law. What he's saying here is if there was a law that could have imparted spiritual life, then the law would have indeed been in conflict and opposed to grace as an alternative way of salvation. It'd be fighting each other, law, grace. But that's obviously not the case. There is no law in Scripture that can save anyone or or make us right with God because there's no biblical law that, that anyone can obey perfectly. Which, as we've already seen in verse 10, results in a curse, not salvation. And besides that, the law doesn't have the power to save anyone. It only has the power to reveal our sin. The law can only prove that we're transgressors of God's will. It cannot give us eternal life. If it could, then indeed there would be a conflict with grace. But there is no conflict with grace. The law is not at all opposed or working against the promise of grace because it has a different purpose. But listen, far from being opposed and in conflict with the grace of God, Paul's point is to say the law actually works together with grace like teammates working together on a baseball field. Verse 22. But the Scripture has shut up everyone under sin. Here's how the law cooperates and works with grace. Here's how it works. The Scripture, and Paul means by that, through the law, not just the Bible in general, but the law locks all of us up in the prison of our own sin so that there is no escape. We're locked up. In other words, having come face to face with our sin, because the law reveals us to be sinners, the law now holds us under the sentence of condemnation. That's to say, once we know that we are cursed sinners, we see no escape. There is no escape from this divine condemnation that leads to eternal death and judgment. No escape through the law. We're stuck. You realize what Paul is saying? It is a terrifying thought. The law takes away all hope. It it terrifies us by showing us that we are nothing but sinners, transgressors of God's holy will without any hope of breaking free of this condemnation by keeping any law. We're locked up, only awaiting the time to be sentenced to hell. Now that is a horrifying situation to be in, to know that you are a condemned sinner who can't do anything about it by, by observing a law. No hope of escaping this condemnation by being religious because religion only reveals, at least the religion of the law only reveals your utter depravity. Now, if this is the situation that you find yourself in, it's exactly where God wants you to be. He's locked you up there because it's only when you see that you cannot save yourself by anything you can do, you'll be driven to the only one who can save you, and that's Jesus Christ, which is precisely why Paul concludes verse 22 with these precious words. So that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. It is only when we recognize how helpless we are to save ourselves that we are driven to the promise of salvation by faith in Christ. That's what he's saying. You got to be desperate. The law ought to make you desperate. Understanding you are you are a transgressor of it ought to imprison you, so that you see no other escape but Christ. 
Listen, the law is good. The law is good because in showing you how sinful and lost you are, it drives you in desperation to Jesus Christ for salvation. The only thing left to say this morning is simply this. Are you desperate enough to be saved? Has the law frightened you enough and humbled you enough and crushed you and broken you enough by showing you that you are a wretched, condemned sinner so that you'll seek mercy to be found only in Christ? Listen, if you want to be saved from hell, there's only one way of escape. Only one way. It's through faith in Christ. Why? Because Jesus Christ, the God-man, died on the cross for sinners like us. Once you recognize your sin and turn away from it and place your faith in Jesus Christ and his atoning substitutionary work on the cross, believing that, that his death paid for all of your sins and that is the only way you can go to heaven, that is sufficient to be forgiven of all your sins, if you believe that, if you trust that as you're turning from your sin, that he was paying for you, your transgressions, then the Bible says you'll be saved. It's the only way. You'll be saved from the condemnation of the law. This is the purpose of the law, to reveal that we are transgressors of God's will and to imprison us under the sentence of condemnation in order to drive us to Christ as the only way to be saved. So I say to you, if that's your situation, then come. Come today and be saved. You may not have tomorrow. Let's bow for prayer. Listen, if you have this message applied to you, you you may be a professed faith in Christ, but there's no evidence there. You've never really been crushed by your sin. You think you're an okay person, just doing a few things wrong. Then you've not been saved. To be saved, you come face to face with what a rotten person you really are. It's got to hurt before it helps. You've got to meet Moses before you meet Jesus. If you've never done that, and don't let another day go by in which you're not saved. You need to be delivered from condemnation. That's why Jesus is the only way. Religion can't do it. Good works can't do it. Baptism can't do it. Being married to a Christian can't do it. Having relatives who are Christians, even in the ministry, can't do it. Christ, Christ alone. I urge you, turn from your sin, repent, come to Christ today and be saved. Father, thank you for this precious, powerful passage of Scripture. Lord, it is the living Word of God, and so it lives today to work in our hearts. I pray for anyone here who claims to know Christ, but only because there was some vague prayer of come into my heart without any awareness of sin, without any awareness of turning from sin and turning to Christ to be Savior and Lord. I pray that you'll convict them, bring them to yourselves, that they might be indeed delivered from hell. And I pray, Father, for those of us who already know you, I pray that you'll help us to not hesitate to use the law as we witness to not be afraid to hurt people with the law, not in a self-righteous way because we're just as much lawbreakers as they are, but in a way that uses the law lawfully, purposefully, righteously to show people like a mirror, here's your sin. You've broken every one of these commandments and you're indeed in trouble. 
May we not hesitate to do that, Lord. May we not be like those who never mention sin, who try to soft pedal the sin issue, make people feel good. Lord, that's like the wicked prophets, false prophets of old that you condemned. They said, peace, peace, when there is no peace. May we be faithful to hold up the high standards of your will. I pray, Lord, that you'll take and use your word to apply it, drive it home to each of our hearts. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Sin is such a big deal that it brought the Son of God to earth where he gave his life to redeem us from sin's power and his penalty. It's such a big deal that we cannot ignore it. We're glad you could join us today for Verse by Verse with Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. If you'd like a free audio CD with the message Pastor Steve just concluded, call Lakeside at 727-441-1714 and ask for message 1517, The Purpose of the Law, Part 2. You can also call that number for service times or if you have questions about how to know if you have eternal life. That's 727-441-1714. Discover more about Lakeside online at lakesidechapel.com. We still have a ways to go in this series from Galatians 3 about the purpose of the law. You can find all of our previous broadcasts in the Message Archive at our website, versebyverseradio.org. There's no charge for these files, so we hope you'll visit often. And there's also a convenient giving page if you'd like to help support Verse by Verse. We're grateful for the generous listeners who make these radio Bible classes possible. That's Verse by Verse. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.